ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Before we jump in, this episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself. I heard you didn't sleep either. We didn't sleep. You know, it's five o'clock in the evening in Samsung, Turkey. Muslim prayers begin to blare outside, played out of stereos from mosque windows, just a little down the beach from where we're staying. My mom and I are here to finally meet Zainab Zahafi, who still cannot return to Iran. For the first time in my life, my mom and I are in the Middle East together. My mom's only been back once since I was born. In 2009, she went to Iran. I wasn't invited. When I asked her why, she said, why would you want to go anywhere where you are half a man? My mom immediately offers Zainab coffee. We stand side by side on my hotel balcony, looking out at the Black Sea. I was telling her about the pishi outside. Pishi is little cat in Farsi. And then scratching its back. The cat was moving in rhythm with the recitation of the prayers. Zainab tells us back in Iran, she used to be afraid of cats. She'd have nightmares that one was living underneath her front porch. She'd cry and cry when she saw them. I thought about how she'd live couch to couch now for three years in Turkey a place where cats are pretty much inescapable. They're in every corner of the town. The pishi almost ate our meats for <laughs> The week we see Zainab, her mother's Turkish visa has finally gone through. She can legally be a Turkish resident now. Zainab has grown real thin. Her hair is still long and falls past her knees. She shows me a new tattoo of soccer star Ali Dai's name. She's got about 20 now. As my mom pours Zainab a coffee, I ask my first question about her name. She tells me it's a religious name. It comes from the historical figure Lady Zainab, the sister of Imam Hossein. The tale goes that all of Lady Zainab's family is murdered in a single night. After the tragedy, with almost nothing to survive on, she speaks out about every crime committed by the powerful caliphate. She speaks to both the masses and directly to those in authority, defying the very tyrants who had hoped to extinguish her light of faith. They couldn't break her. It's important to remember that Zainab's family is very religious. Only one person, her uncle, supported her love of soccer. He snuck Zainab into a stadium game for the first time when she was 12. Zainab 
he took her to the top row in the upper story. And as she looked down, a police officer walked up to her. She was so excited. She didn't realize that she was being caught and that she might be in trouble. The officer asked her if she was a girl. And without even thinking, she said yes. So the police officer took her hand. In our interview, she mimicked how roughly he grabbed her. No matter how much she pleaded, he wouldn't let her hand go. For her to be released from custody, he forced her to sign a contract stating she would never return to the stadium. She didn't keep that promise. And it's a choice that changed the course of her life and her family's. Zainab's story is the story of today's generation, a generation of girls who dare to put their freedom, their joy, above the restrictions placed on them since birth. I'm Shimo Liai from Shirazad Productions. And from 30 for 30 Podcast, this is Pink Card, our final installment, Episode 4, Blue Girl. The first time Zainab successfully snuck into a game was a few months after she first got caught with her uncle at the local stadium. She showed up at the very next game in her hometown, Afaz, just a few months later. That time, she did manage to get in, dressed as a boy. And that's how it starts testing the limits at local matches. As a kid, Zainab started out simple, putting on a baseball cap and just keeping her head down. A few years later, she started strapping down her breasts. She'd use ace bandages to do so. A year after that, she donned men's underwear and placed a sock, very strategically, in her pants. Over the years, Zainab's disguise grew to new levels of artistry. The process to become a boy usually took Zainab about four hours. She started with cutting off pieces of her hair and gluing it to her face. She covered her face in dark makeup and muddied her fingernails. She practiced throwing her voice in case the police tried to interrogate her. Zainab relished fooling the guards, but the games in her hometown were infrequent. She wanted more, so she set her eyes on a bigger prize. Azadi Stadium. At first, she tells no one and goes it alone. From her hometown to Azadi Stadium, it's a 15-hour train ride. When she gets there... There are thousands of men in the crowd, a thousand opportunities to be caught and sent to prison. But Zainab knows that in order to get in, she has to be cool. At Azadi's three security checkpoints, security guards graze between her legs to make sure she isn't hiding anything. She tells me when their hands cross over her chest, she can't be scared or they'll feel her heart beating faster. 
Zainab goes through almost two days of preparation to sit in the stands for two hours. But once Zainab is inside, she is as free as she wants to be. By 2016, she's on Instagram Live sharing the game with an audience of almost a quarter of a million people around the world in real time. Zainab takes pride in fooling the police directly to them. And with this clever ruse, Zainab is in great company. Gorda Farid is another woman. This is Azar Nafisi again. And uh, I'm a writer. Best-selling author and historian. She told me that women have cross-dressed in Iran going back centuries. She told me about a girl named Gorda Farid, a character in Shahnameh, the Book of Kings, whose story echoes Zainab's. She dresses herself as a man, puts on a Roman helmet, and goes to the war. And she roared at the enemy ranks, where are your heroes, your warriors, your tried and tested chieftains? So she invites them all to the fight. For centuries, women have dressed as men to access places of power and to experience joys they've been denied. Zainab's defiance was at first centered on her own pleasure. She longed to see a game, so she found a way in. But for Sara and the White Scarves... We specifically didn't want to go this way. We were insisting on our rights to just go as women. It was like our red line at the time. In the stadium campaign they started in the 2000s, the whole point was to enter as women. The difference was the tools they had at their disposal. Zainab are friends. They became so popular and they were openly with their own name. They were on Instagram posting things, talking to foreign media. Zainab and her friends grew bolder and smarter. She followed the money, FIFA, who provides funds to Iran for its participation in the Global Football Federation. FIFA یه تایمی و داور میگه وقت اضافه هر تیم یازده نفر باید باشه کمتر از هفت نفر بود بازی برگزار نمیشه She read from FIFA's rules and regulations that girls must be allowed to enter the stadium She learned that the clergy, Iran's religious leaders told FIFA most women didn't want to attend games that it wasn't in Iran's culture She thought, that's bullshit و به خاطر همینه که من so she fought back. She began recording young people all across Iran giving statements that everyone, boys and girls, wanted women to be able to attend the stadium games, and they deserved to be there. By 2018, she even inspired some girls to visit the holy city, Qom, to ask clergy directly about women watching soccer games. The clergy said it was okay based on the Quran. More and more girls started Instagram living themselves from inside the stadium with full beards, strapped down chests, and red capes. The videos of youth around Iran stating that women did want to go to games gained greater and greater traction. Many young women were dressing in drag and attending games. Photos Zainab took with four of her closest friends in the stands, posing with mustaches and beards, went viral worldwide. By 2019, 
it became in vogue to sneak into Azadi in drag. It was the beginning of their own revolution. Then, on a quiet night in August of that same year, back in her hometown of Atfaz, Zainab got a call. Five of her closest friends had been ambushed by police, arrested and sent to Iran's most notorious prison. All of them, they got arrested. There is a really scary prison in south of Tehran, outside of the city. That's Evan Prison. All the women there, they are like murderers. They have a really huge crimes and they are living there for like years. There's no proper water, there's nothing there. These really young girls, they send them to that prison. That's why after that, there is no news about them. I think they really scared them. Intelligence officers had been tracking Zainab on social media. They were coming for her next. من فقط منتظر بودم که آبا از آسیاب بیفته برگرم چون دختره که بازداشت بودن ازشون سند 500 میلیونی میخواستن که موقتا آزادشون کنن تا Bail for each of her friends was at about $20,000. Zainab was from a poor family that could never afford that. So she felt she had no choice but to flee the country. She says she got home at midnight and was there for just 30 minutes before she went to the airport. She didn't say goodbye. She only told her mother that she was leaving. She took a taxi to the airport alone and boarded a plane. In one night, she became an exile living in Turkey. Zainab turned off her phone. She assumed her calls were being monitored and didn't want to put her family in danger. To fight her feelings of being alone, she watched a video on her phone of her seven-month-old brother. She says her little brother, more than 20 years younger than her, was the hardest to leave behind. When she arrived in Istanbul, Zainab got taken in by an Iraqi family. For weeks, she lived off the kindness of strangers. One morning, she wakes up in the living room where she'd been crashing and turns on the TV. FIFA will send a delegation to Iran following the death of a female football fan who set herself on fire after being arrested for attending a match. The dramatic case sparked outrage and is quickly becoming a symbol of women's fight for more freedom in Iran. Sahar Kodeari was 29 years old. In the photos shared across international media outlets, her entire face is painted blue. She loved Team Esteghlal. They wear all blue. The world's soccer governing body is under pressure to sanction Iran after Saha Kojiari, dubbed the Blue Girl, died on Monday. In March of that year, she got caught sneaking into Azadi Stadium dressed as a boy. After an excruciating interrogation and trial, a judge sentenced her to six months in prison. Sara, the white scarf from the last episode, says Sahar's family was very conservative. Not everyone has a like open-minded family. It is still really shameful to go to prison for most of the families. 
Sahar had just finished her university studies and was living back home. That same day of her sentencing, she walked up the steps of the courthouse in central Tehran and lit herself on fire. 90% of her body burned. Sahar died seven days later. سهر خدایاری خودسوزی کرد و میگفتم احتمالاً رسانه‌ها برای اینکه tells me that when she found out she couldn't believe it. She thought that the media outlets were posting clickbait articles to boost their views. She didn't want to believe that a girl had set herself on fire because of the stadium. But it did happen. The white scarves scattered around the world heard the news. Sara found out in an airport. I had like such a difficult panic attacks for some days. I couldn't breathe. She was returning from a UN meeting where she had pleaded with FIFA's human rights officials over the stadium ban. It was one of my saddest, saddest um, time that I will always remember. Nasreen, away from Iran for nine years at that time, heard while living in Boston. This girl like lost her life. We asked team members of national team, you should do something, you should not play. They had this written on their shirt about blue girl, but that was all that they have done, this men. Mabube, the oldest of the white scarves, thought back to her time in prison, to the torture she experienced. We say white torture. White torture is about them not letting you to go out, fresh air, lights are on all the time. They interrogate you, insulting, playing psychological game, blaming, shaming, make you to, to break. Sahar's story went viral around the globe with the hashtag Blue Girl. Protesters in places like Hong Kong took to the streets. In the States, Megan Rapino dedicated her FIFA Player of the Year award to Blue Girl. Every day following Blue Girl's death, tensions mounted in Iran. Iranian soccer legend Ali Karimi called all Iranian games to be halted until something was done to remove the stadium ban. But for this kind of team, doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter the nationality. Kodayari's beloved team, Esteglal, put out a video prayer. So we make one minute for her. Read by each player. And a statement reading, what can we do to support our dear Sahar? Absolutely nothing. We are cowards. FIFA finally called on Iran's government to let women into games. They tweeted to refute any suggestion that they had been inactive in the fight for women's rights in Iran. They offered condolences to the family and friends of Blue Girl and announced they were working with Iran for women to attend games, starting with the World Cup qualifiers. Those games were set to start in mere weeks. 24 days after Blue Girl's death on October 3rd, 2019. In the middle of the night, a website appeared selling tickets for women to attend a World Cup qualifying match between Iran and Cambodia at Azadi Stadium. Imagine in, in a weekend, which was like a Thursday night, 11 p.m., they released 600 tickets. 600 tickets appeared, available to purchase on a totally different website for women. There was no official announcement. Women found out about the tickets and the website through word of mouth. It was chaotic. 
tickets sold out instantly. The following night, 700 more tickets were released. The next night, 700 more. Imagine it was a really late night. I was just uh, before the bed. I was checking my phone. And if I went to sleep, I probably would lose this opportunity. Sara nabbed a ticket the third night. Out of 78,000 seats, 3,500 tickets were released for women. No one was sure if they were even real. On October 10th, 2019, game day, women crowded the streets and the subways to get to the stadium. On the trains, women did cheers for Blue Girl the entire way there. They shouted, Blue Girl is with us. She deserves freedom too. Those on the bus honked and shouted for Iran. And once all the girls arrived at the gates, they were held for hours. Sara wondered if it had all been a trick and perhaps the tickets had been released solely to ambush the women. We told like they're gonna react or they're gonna arrest us. But then suddenly, (laughs) the gates opened. Cheers and screams and horns could be heard throughout the arena and in the underpass, the same underpass Sara had waltzed through with her younger counterparts during the South Korea game. Only this time, it wasn't a fluke. It was amazing. When they entered the arena, the women were serenaded by Iranian pop songs. In one corner, female fans packed the seats, screaming and waving flags. The rest of the stadium was mostly empty. Women were segregated from the men by empty stretches of seats and metal fencing. There was two girls behind me. They started shouting for Blue Girl. The police, they suddenly came to them and they were like, You have to close your mouth or we will remove you from the stadium. That made all the women shout even louder, yelling, Leave her alone! Leave her alone! in Farsi. And then... The Iranian players entered the pitch. It was a moment of such joy coupled with tragedy. Not just the death of Blue Girl, but over 40 years of women's lives suppressed by tyrants. Sara brought her mom to the game with her. And so many they brought their moms because most of them, they weren't really been to a stadium. Like, it was first time for her too. It was such an amazing moment. Zainab watched from a mostly empty cafe in Turkey. دوستام هم خانوادم می گفتن جا تو خالیه بین این دخترات هم باید اینجا می بودی Zainab says that her friends and family were texting her during the game saying you should be here Some of her friends didn't even go that day because they felt it wasn't right to be there while Zainab was still in exile ما دلمون نمیاد بدون تو بریم ما بریم استادیوم بعد تو نتونی اینجا باشی دلمون نمیاد که بریم They told her they couldn't do it without her 
In the end, Iran beat Cambodia 14 to zero. They annihilated their opponent. When the game was over, instead of filming the celebration on the field, the news cameras turned around to capture the women of Iran in the stands of Azadi Stadium. For the first time officially in 40 years, the Iranian team walked across the field to stand in front of their section. Oh my God, like, it was so beautiful. All the players came in front of the women and they clapped for us. I started to tearing up. It, it was so beautiful. I saw lots of familiar faces, like many of activist friends I didn't see for many years. They were all there. <laughs> for me, it wasn't anymore about watching a game. It was about watching the faces of the, you know, these women. It was amazing because when they were coming inside the stadium, usually if on a street you walk, you don't see happy faces. People are mostly depressed. But that day, they were so happy. Their face was, you know, blossoming. After the game, the women leaving the stadium were stopped by Iranian news reporters to ask about the historic moment. The women Faces painted in green, white, and red were ecstatic. We are feeling great, very happy. We are thankful to the officials who let us in. I'm really happy and excited to be here for the first time. We would like it to not be the first and last. We've proved to the world that Iranian women are the strongest in the world. And this will continue. Our last night in Turkey, my mom and I watch a game with Zainab. We're at the same cafe where she watched that game on October 10th, 2019. When she went to the games in Iran, because she was always afraid to be caught, she wouldn't eat anything. But now here, she drinks lots of tea. Watching Zainab, I can't help but ask myself, does Iran deserve its women? To Zainab, I ask her, was it all worth it? یعنی من هیچ وقت نمیگم پشیمونم که این کار کردم، این کاش نمیکردم. چرا چون راه همو میدونم، هدفمو میدونم. پس اوکی من حتی اگه توی این راه هم بمیرم خودم انتخاب کم که وارد این این راه بشم. She says she would never regret what she did. She says, I wish I could just be a normal person. Someone who doesn't care about wearing a hijab. Someone who doesn't care if she goes to the soccer stadium or not. Sometimes she wishes she were normal. But when they put her in jail, she didn't think, why did this happen to me? میگم راه هم میدونم 
میدونستم دارم چیکار میکنم باید چیکار کنم she knew she had to go for her freedom back in iran after the iran cambodia game the regime said women would be let into games from then on But the pandemic stopped any fan from attending a game at Azadi. When ticket sales resumed, it was 2022. For the first few games, women were again forbidden from purchasing tickets. But in March, women were able to get tickets for a Lebanon versus Iran match. When they arrived at the stadium, they were pepper sprayed and beaten by police forces. forbidden from entering. The FIFA World Congress was held just a few days later and no one made any mention of the brutality. As the 2022 World Cup drew nearer, the Iranian government announced they would release tickets again for women for a blue team match in honor of Blue Girl. At the game, the officials started playing the song Hello Commander, a song written in 2022 meant to be sung by children. In the lyrics, they offer themselves to be martyrs for the regime. The singers didn't even get to the chorus before the entire stadium booed. And this is where I thought the series ended. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mom, do you see what's happening in Iran? Huh? Do you see what's oh, happening? Do you see all oh, these girls? Shima John, I need to call you later. I have an emergency. I'll call you in five minutes. What is the emergency? I have a match. It was canceled. All of a sudden, it's sunny. And if I don't show up, we lose. But mom, there's a revolution happening in Iran. I know, I know. I thought it was the captain calling me. So I answered saying I'm on my way and then it was you. So let me call you from the car, please. Okay, okay, I'll talk to you in a minute on your way to the match. Okay, bye. Okay. In fall of 2022, just two months before the World Cup in Qatar. A 22-year-old girl was murdered in police custody for wearing an improper hijab. Her name was Masa Gina Amini. When it was announced that after going into a coma, she had died, the doctors delivered her body to her parents. Only her face and feet could be seen. The rest of her body had been bludgeoned. She was picked up because a piece of hair was showing through her headscarf. This series started with a revolution, and it ends with one. The chant is no longer Azadi. Azadi. It is Zen, Zendengi, Azadi. Women, life, freedom. This is a woman's revolution has been spray-painted on walls across Iran. Gigantic billboards picturing the morality police with the message, we will protect you, have been set ablaze. Schoolgirls have torn down photos of Hamani and played hopscotch on them, taking selfies with their long hair and their middle fingers toward the Supreme Leader's portrait. Around the globe, women have cut off their hair. It's a nod to a form of grieving that predates Islam in Iran. Zainab stood in a square in Turkey and cut hers off too. 
The regime has arrested, jailed, and killed protesters across Iran. That includes children. When I made one last visit to Mabuba, the oldest white scarf, who has seen all of it, from the 79 revolution to today, and is now in exile on the West Coast, I ask her, How do you have hope after all of this? Do you have hope? Yes, yes, of, of course. This is when that after three decades, you are asking me a story. You asking a story, I am telling a story. And someone gonna continue this story. One of the most famous pieces of literature from Iran is the tale of a thousand and one nights. If you don't know the original premise, it's that a sultan, overcome with rage after being betrayed by his love, decides he will marry a virgin each night and execute her by morning. A girl named Shahrazad comes up with a plan. She will offer herself up to the sultan. But the night the king beds her, before he goes to sleep, Shahrazad's younger sister reveals herself in the bedchambers. As planned, she asks her older sister to tell her a story. Shahrazad begins to tell a tale which keeps the sultan riveted until morning, but she refuses to share the ending until the following night. In this way, she tells story after story and through the stories avoids death for herself and the women who are supposed to come after her. She reforms even the heart of the murderous king. The part that has always struck me about this story isn't just the ingenuity of her plan. It's that in the process of bringing in her younger sister, she makes her a witness, an accomplice, in order to free all women. In that same way, Mababa's generation, starting in the 70s, helped Nasreen's generation in the 90s, and then Sara, and then Zainab, and still the generations to come. Thank you. Thank you very much. Shima, John, get up. Shima? No! I got to be in front of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I'm doing the show. That's our series, Pink Card. Thank you for listening. This series is dedicated to the teen girls in Iran who have lost their lives since the 22 revolution began to the Afghan women 
who protested in front of the Iranian embassy, and the everyday people of Iran who continue to speak out, regardless of the consequences. And of course, my mother, who tried to give me the joy of Iran and soccer. Pink Card was created and hosted by me, Shimoliai, and my incredible production team. Associate producer, Homa Sarabi. My editor, Ser Quevedo. Audio mixing and music maker extraordinaire, Ramtin Arablui. Our production coordinator is Marisa Bravo. Nisa Azakizadeh wrote our theme song. Series art is by Faruzan Safari. Fact-checking by Diba Motasham and Homa Sarabi. Our executive producers are Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, and me, Shimo Oliai. Archival producers are Megan Coyle and Matt Day. Thank you to the team at ESPN 30 for 30. Marsha Cook and Brian Lockhart are executive producers. Eve Tro is senior editorial producer. Kath Sankey is line producer, and Gus Navarro is associate producer. Fact-checking by Andrew Disler, production management by Tom Pickard, Maria Delgado, and Jennifer Thorpe. ESPN development and production teams include Adam Newhouse, Tara Nadalny, Marquise Daisy, Isabella Seaman, Gentry Kirby, Diamante McKelvey, and Anthony Salas. Special thanks to Julia Lowry-Henderson and Trevor Gill. Thank you again to Nina Ansari, Miriam Shojai, Minky Warden, Hadi Gayemi, Ramin Golbang, Moya Dodd, Sarah Shahi, and everyone at the Center for Human Rights in Iran. Thank you to all Iranian women. You changed the world. <laughs> <laughs>